Skunk ape, and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are going to want to come build this. Put him out, 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 put him out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn? Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab and it came back as an unknown creature. Welcome back, everyone, to the most exciting show on the internet. The one, the only, Bizarre Encounters. With Shane? The ghost. Welcome to the show, everyone. So, we're going to be doing this uh, little extra thing. We've been uh, talking about the giveaway on... Instagram, social media, all that stuff. Um, just for the sake of everybody, just kind of getting the last little bit in, and we want to be able to talk about it on the show. Uh, we're going to be extending that an extra day, so we're actually going to be announcing the winners on twelve two instead of twelve one. And when you're hearing this episode, it gives you a chance to get a little bit of extra entries in if you haven't already done so. Um, we announced it on our little short promo for it, but uh, we're going to announce on this show because, again, it's the last day. So go and get your entries in. If you message us Toasty, you will get an extra entry in to get that awesome, awesome Bizarre Encounters collab shirt with uh, Crypto Theology. And uh, if you haven't already... Toasty! (laughs) And if you uh, haven't already went and checked all that stuff out, uh, you get one entry for resharing the post that's on the page. Uh, You get another entry for following Bizarre Encounters and Crypto Theology. And you get another entry for tagging two friends in the post on the page. And we would prefer if you guys shoot us a message. We just want to make sure we don't miss anybody's entries. So, uh, yeah, shoot us a message. Let us know what you did. And in the process of shooting us that message, you know, just drop the words toasty and that'll get you a fourth entry into this thing. So awesome stuff. And if you haven't already checked out the design, it's, uh, I guess you could say like a Mortal Kombat, uh, collaboration type of thing. We tried to run it off of the original game, original menu, and we uh, made it our variation with cryptids and with uh, us included. So it's pretty damn, pretty damn sweet shirt. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I know it's already ended, but we're doing it as a November giveaway. The whole idea is that you get the shirt for you and for a friend. So why not share the love, guys? Come on. <laughs> and speaking of sharing the love, let's see you go and uh, check us out over on Apple. Give us a five-star rating and review. Don't forget about Spotify. You don't have to write a review there. Uh, you just have to leave a five star and walk away. Um, also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Um, hit us up. You can DM us. Uh, and anything, if you have a question or a cryptid that you want us to look into, you know, hit us there. You can hit find us on Telegram as well. Um, more than welcome to to come over and hang out in there. We're always looking for for great conversation and. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know really what much else to say other than five stars, ratings, and reviews, and, and share, 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 share. Yes, share with a friend. Come on, word of mouth goes a long way, and words have power, as you can see, because we're sitting here doing a podcast, which just shows how much power words really do have. Yes, and if uh, you can't get enough of us in bizarre encounters, um, I kind of collaborated everything into one place. Um, I'm sure that I got to still send it to Ghost, but we're going to be doing some uh, early access for Bizarre Encounters on both of the Patreons. Um, we have the Open Minds Media Patreon, which is like a little bit of my side, and then we'll be dropping some stuff on the My Third Eye Patreon. So kind of your choice. Come and check them out. See which uh, which side you prefer in all of that stuff. Um, of course, the best idea is to just you know subscribe to both because you'll be helping us both out. And uh, like I said, you'll, you'll probably see a little bit of extra stuff on both ends, which is always a plus. So it's like you're getting multiple shows all in one place. And, uh, you know, if you're not into that whole thing, you can always uh, donate on Anchor. Always helps for the show and uh, leaves gets the keeps the lights on at both of our studios over here so that we can keep doing Bizarre Encounters for as long as you guys enjoy it and definitely want to hear it. And uh, if you're interested in getting some awesome 
not crypto theology, but just in general, um, some bizarre encounters merch. I've added a couple of new designs onto the, um, onto the merch store through Spring Tea. Uh, also collaborated all of that into one. So now it's just the, uh, Open Minds Media merch store. So there you'll find stuff for, you know, pretty much all the Open Minds Media type of stuff. Um, we got two designs. One's just our kind of basic logo, which is on the front. Um, it's a pretty cool logo if you haven't already seen it. And I'm sure you're looking at it if you're listening right now. And uh, we got, just because I'm a big fan of it, I like the shirts that have like the little logo up in the front, like a patch, and then the big design on the back. So we got the Bizarre Encounter shirt done in that format, which is pretty damn sweet. So do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Go get some awesome Bizarre Encounters merch. And uh, if, you're, if you're into all of the different cryptid stuff... Go over to Crypto Theology on uh, Instagram. Make sure you give them a like and follow. Check out uh, his work. Uh, you can find him at CryptoTheology.com, I believe is the website. Yes, and, sir. Uh, go through and, and, and look at all the awesome um, designs that he's done. And he has designs in there from like each state's local little cryptid or, or whatever. And if you haven't been paying attention, which I don't know why you wouldn't, um, Shane, this past weekend, uh, we showing off some of the, the shirts that he got off there and I love them all. I, you know, don't mess with my jerky. I, they, they're come on. That, that was good. And actually uh, I got one out yeah, right he, now. I'm wearing a, uh, I break for cryptids unless they're chasing me. Then I run like hell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it kind of has that, uh, that, that old school, uh, just, I don't know, just like retro feel to it. And that's what makes these shirts cool. And, and he puts in a lot of hard work over there. So make sure you check his page out, buy a shirt from him. And uh, like Shane said, enter to win our, our, our free giveaway. And, you know, you and a friend can be walking around with a Crypto Theology shirt as well. And everything we've mentioned, I try to make it quick and easy. It's all under our link tree. So uh, go and check out our link tree. L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Bizarre Encounters. Uh that's B-I-Z-A-R-R-E, because I know there's multiple ways to spell bizarre, but that's how we do it for the show, of course. And uh, with that, let's uh, let's get into the show today. So today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. It's uh, partly a dive, but we're kind of kind of making into a little bit of a game, I guess. So the new one, and hopefully we'll be doing more of these in the future. Originally, uh, Anton from Strange Brew was supposed to hop on this one, but he's going to come back for round two. So no worries there. He's going get to get to do the full fun of the show, but cryptid or alien because there's a lot of cryptids that can kind of fall into both categories and this is going to be like we're, we're going to state the facts about each of these but when we get to what we think they are it's going to be strictly opinion based so don't take that into fact but we're just going to put together what we think with the clues that we do have about these things and express our opinions and why we think it's one or the other and if you guys of course want to hear any specific ones in future shows that could kind of fall into either category uh, shoot us a message and let us know, and we'll definitely incorporate that into the show. So we got three of them today, and uh, what do you what I'm do you think? All, I'm going all alien, only <laughs> only because I hate ET. <laughs> so wouldn't you want to go the opposite then? Try to say cryptids, man. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't know. Some of these cryptids can be scary too. So true. Speaking of scary cryptids, there's one that. I have to specify here. We're we're covering the Puerto Rican version of this, the Chupacabra. Ooh, yes, Chupacabra. And for anybody that's not familiar, there's uh, one that's more dog style, and then there's one that's more of kind of like a lizard man. But we're going to get into it, but that's that's the one that we're referring to so that you guys already kind of have a mental picture in your mind of what we're going to get into here. And just so you guys know, uh, Chupacabra is Spanish for goat sucker. So if you didn't know that, that's I, it started out with uh, people finding dead goats and they were drained of blood. So that's kind of how the myth began. Stole my uh, my first line of my notes, my dude. <laughs> yep, I am so sorry. <laughs> no, dude, it was perfect because that just shows that you already have previous knowledge of all of these different things. Of course, because yeah, we should. A little because bit because of we're doing a cryptid about, show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know a little about a lot, but I don't know a lot about a, a lot. If that makes any sense. <laughs> a lot about a little. <laughs> yeah. So with that, let's uh, let's get into the Puerto Rican chupacabra. The most des- the most common description of the chupacabra is a reptilian-like creature said to have leathery or scaly greenish-gray skin and sharp spines or quills running down its back. It is said to be approximately three to four feet tall 
and stands and hops in a fashion similar to that of a kangaroo. Dude, can you imagine just uh, being in more of these like desert type environments and just seeing this like kangaroo reptile creature just hopping about <laughs> like fuck dude i think it would freak me out a little bit and and i think that's kind of how uh you see these 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 legends be born you know what i mean like someone sees this and then obviously folklore is very prevalent in any spanish culture you know it, it, there's the old Hey, Mexicans don't like Puerto Ricans and Puerto Ricans don't like Mexicans and they both don't like Dominican. Fuck all that. At the end of the day, they all believe in cultured stories that are passed down, whether it's cryptids or, or whatever. I mean, I mean, look, look at the Aztecs and and the Mayans. Actually, a little uh, snippet shout out to that too. Um, John, John, he's been, uh, he's of, Spanish descent, and he's been wanting to kind of get into uh, talking about different stories of Spanish lore and cryptids. So in the next uh, month or so, he's going to be coming on the show. So if you're already a little bit interested in that, keep an eye out for the future, because we will be doing an episode that's specifically about the Spanish lore and legends and folklore all pertaining to supernatural cryptids, all that fun stuff. And as the resident uh, Hispanic of, of the show, I am super excited. And now, if you can't find the humor in that, I, I don't know where you are because I'm, I'm I'm totally not Hispanic. But I will say, and I've said it time again on my show and and, and others, I love the the Spanish culture and and stories that come out of there. We Aztec, Mayan, you know, all all the way up into even Native uh, American. So I don't know. It's just one of the one of the cultures I really love to look into because I, I don't know i just love it yeah we're definitely got everybody yeah, got covered food. there oh yeah that's always a plus too yeah. of course <laughs> yeah so uh going into the chupacabra this wasn't the first sighting of it exactly but this was the first sighting of weirdness so in 1975 a series of livestock killings in a small town of mocha puerto rico was attributed to el vampiro de mocha the vampire of mocha initially it was suspected that the killings were committed by a satanic cult. Later, more killings were reported around the island, and many farmers reported loss of animal life. Each of these animals was reported to have had its body blood dry through a series of small circular incisions. Now, fast forwarding to 1995. The first known attacks were in March of 1995 in Puerto Rico. Eight sheep were discovered dead, each completely drained of blood. Investigators found three strange puncture wounds in the chest of the animals. Despite the odd circumcisions, authorities could only attribute the killings to a known predator, a fox, perhaps. Otherwise, however, recognized the similarities in these deaths to the Enigma cattle mutilations, which had been taking place in the American Southwest with increasing regularity. The woman who first sighted the monster gave an eyewitness description that has become the basis for the famous drawing of the chupacabra in the world. In a 1996 interview, she said that the bipedal animal had dark gray or black eyes that were damp and protruding, running up to its temples and spreading to the sides, like typical alien eyes. Its height was about four feet or less. At the time, it was walking like a human on both legs. Its arms were drawn back into an attack position. It had three long, skinny fingers, and its arms were almost just as long. Its hair was rather short and close to its body. Rather well combed, in fact, she says. About 30 citizens claimed to have seen the chupacabra, swearing that it had swooped down from the sky and leaped over treetops. It wasn't until November 19, 1995, that a detailed description of chupacabras came from, an, from the eyewitness. On that autumn night in Puerto Rico, the creature struck again. Farmers awoke to a horrifying scene. Dozens of turkeys, rabbits, goats, cats, dogs, horses, cows, all dead, with no explanation of the cause, just the mysterious markings left by the blood-drinking chupacabra. Back in the north, a startled homeowner caught the world's first fleeting glimpse of the goat sucker. Described as having huge red eyes, hairy arms, the creature allegedly broke into the bedroom of the home, through a window, tore apart a child's stuffed teddy bear, and left a puddle of slime and a single piece of rancid meat on the windowsill before disappearing. Through the end of 1995, 
chupacabras have been blamed for more than 1,000 mysterious animal deaths, all resulting from blood loss through one or more puncture wounds. In that time, several more eyewitnesses came forward, consistently describing the creature as being monkey-like, but having no tail. They characterized it as having large oval red eyes that sometimes glowed, gray skin, a long snake-like tongue, fangs, and long spinal quills that have doubled as wings. At the site of some deaths, unidentified three-toed tracks were found. Zoologists could think of no known animal that could adequately fit this strange portrait. Another eyewitness saw this creature while on his balcony. He noticed something standing strange at the far railing. He realized that the creature on the edge of the balcony was unlike anything he had ever seen before. So, getting into this ghost... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go first, since I've been reading, of course. But uh, which side do you think it falls on, and why do you think it falls on that side? It's a tough question, because this very well could be a cryptid uh, of some sort. It very well could be a being from another dimension, outer space, whatever you want to call aliens. Um, the three-toed track uh, does spark interest. Now, when, when you were coming coming across that, and it, it and you mentioned turkeys and what have you. Turkeys leave if if you if you're not looking closely enough, they do leave a three toed track. However, it is small and it's bird like, but a turkey will actually leave a four toed track because of their their back, what we would consider a thumb. Kinda, it doesn't really act like a thumb. But if if you're going to put your pointer finger, middle finger, and ring finger out, and then maybe your thumb behind, that's kind of a track of a turkey spread out. Look at look at a chicken. Uh, very similar. Um, but that would be a very small print. And I don't know. I gotta be honest with you. I I, be- I believe in the, in the chupacabra and uh, the lore of it. But there is there is just that like one percent of me that just wants to say, eh, no, aliens came down and they did all this crazy, weird stuff and we're doing experiments on animals. But then the other side kicks in and be like, oh, why would they do that on animals? Like, and, and these animals, because they don't, they don't relate to us as humans. Or maybe they're trying to make animals where they come from. I don't know. So it's a toss up, but I I strongly, um, I'm going to weigh more closely on the cryptid side on this one. Well, I guess it's a good thing that we kind of have differing opinions on this one because I'm going to have to side with alien for this one. And the reason I say that is because we have the normal image of the chupacabra, which is kind of what I kind of assume for them to be, which is more of like the dog like creature that um, is seen more so, so through North America, all those different places. It's just one specific location, just in Puerto Rico, that they had this other variation. So I'm not going to say that they're the same thing. I'm going to say that chupacabras are the dog-like creature, <clears throat> and this one is possibly an alien. And the reason I say that is, one, um, the whole cattle thing I find interesting. Um, it may not be exactly like the normal like UFO cattle mutilation kind of concept. Um, theoretically, maybe it isn't that they're just using cattle for food as far as like all of the UFO phenomena or not for food, but for experiments. Um, they could be using part of it maybe for some type of theoretical food. So if say, for example, this was a crash landed alien or something or some type of alien creature that got thrown here, maybe it has that aspect that they take these cattle for the sake of food and they use the blood part and then the other additional parts are possibly for the experimenting portion and maybe this one's just seeing it as a survival fight or flight response so it's just taking the blood because that's what it needs to survive possibly and uh it's rich in iron exactly so and just because of the whole fact that it's uh you know this one walks on two feet the normal one walks on four feet um I don't know. It just has a lot more like alien characteristics to me. Like maybe it's some type of like offshoot variation of like some type of like reptilian, like, like alien, or maybe this was, uh, you know, their, their, you know, or th- that, that, that cousin, be, you know, <laughs> if you know what I mean, that has the, the same parents to, uh, the Rougarou. That's also possible too, but like the Rougarou falls in where, 
I feel like there's so many different descriptions of the Rougarou because there's like the dogman like Rougarou, then there's like the variation where it's almost like a, I don't know, a creature that's kind of has no hair, kind of has like the right. the, the the dog type of chupacabra like build up to it. But just like but I said, this I'm, variation is so different. That's that's what throws me off. The only reason I said that was because a lot of people with the Rougarou report three toed tracks. Ooh, yeah, I didn't even put two and two together on that one. But, I don't know, maybe, maybe they could possibly be related, but, I mean, it depends on, again, the, the description you use. Because if you're using, like, the scaly one, maybe not. But if you're going off of more of, like, the grayish skin idea that people describe, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, this one's kind of a hard one. Because I feel like uh, multiple people have all seen the same thing, but they all kind of describe it slightly different. Because there's details of this one that fits into the normal Chupacabra lore, and then there's details that almost make it sound more of like a like a reptilian based type of creature rather than like this dog uh blood sucking type of creature. Because you you make me go first and then you give your typical way out there <laughs> approach to things and then I'm like, well shit, now he's starting to make sense. So I don't I, yeah, I don't know. I mean I, I see your point a hundred percent as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean I'm going to call cryptid. You call alien. We'll call it 50, 50. <laughs> that works. And then all the listeners can uh, <laughs> form their own opinions. Cause like we were yeah. saying, this is strictly opinion based. So very either one of us could be right. Either of us could be wrong, but you guys make your own decisions. Cause that's what it's chances all about are, at the end of the day. Yeah. And chances are I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> chances are we're both wrong. And it's something totally fucking different. <laughs> it's something yeah. like a paranormal thing. <laughs> has something to do with the fucking, the, the screen. Screaming Lady of the Woods, uh, La, uh, La Llorona. <laughs> or if it has to do with the whole, like, occult ritual thing, like it was saying in the beginning, this was some type of creature that, like, half came into this dimension, so it's just, like, blood! <laughs> and it wasn't able to fully, like, adapt. Like I was saying, it's, like, the same, <laughs> like, cousin parents <laughs> variation. <laughs> <laughs> I might so. work with one. <laughs> so uh going into the next one i guess because we'll just keep it moving right along but <laughs> this one hopskinville goblin this one's and new this- to me i've never when you were telling me about the hopskinville goblin i don't ever recall seeing anything on it oh once we get into it i'm sure you've heard this case it's one of the craziest uh like I said, it kind of falls into multiple categories, but a lot of people geared in with the UFO phenomenon, and it's one of the like craziest UFO phenomenon stories that I've personally heard. Is this where they were running on the roofs, on the roof of the uh, house? I don't, I don't want to give it away before I read okay. it, but right. <laughs> let's just say there's a lot of action involved in this one. <laughs> okay. Then once you said the UFO phenomenon, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about then. <laughs> so, the Hopskinville Goblins. The Kelly Hopskinville Encounter, also known as Hopskinville Goblin Case, and to a lesser extent, the Kelly Green Men Case, is the name given to a series of connected incidents, all allegedly close encounters with presumably extraterrestrial beings, or possibly cryptids. There are dozens of eyewitnesses to this incident, which include two families present at the farmhouse and others in the area. Other civilians, some of whom had no connection to the family or the farmhouse, and even in other states. Perhaps most significantly, the witnesses also included several local policemen and state troopers who saw and heard strange phenomenon, such as unexplained lights in the sky and noises that same night. The Kelly Hopskinville encounter took place on August 21st, 1955, at the farmhouse of the Sutton family, located between Kelly and Hopskinville, Kentucky. That night, Elmer, Lucy, Sutton, and John Charlie, J.C., Sutton, were hosting guests along with their wives and children. With a total of eight adults and three children in the house, attention was easily divided between different conversations, paying no attention to family friend Billy Ray Thomas as he left the house to fetch drinking water from the well. Tyler describes seeing a stereotypical flying saucer streak across the sky as he retrieved the water from the well before the UFO landed a little over half a mile away from the house. He recounted the story to the rest of the house upon returning, but was met with laughter and ridicule from his friends. 
The incident was shrugged off as an overreaction by Taylor, and the occupants returned to their game and cards chatting. A little over an hour and a half later, the Sutton's dog began to bark frantically outside, rousing Lucky and Billy Ray to investigate. Walking outside towards the dog's location, the dog quickly sprinted past them as motion began stirring in the nearby trees surrounding the farmhouse. Unable to identify the emerging figures at first, Lucy and Billy Ray ran back to the house and quickly armed themselves before returning to the scene, preparing to fend off the homestead from thieves or wild animals. Retrieving a pistol and a shotgun, the two men returned outside to confront the figures as the rest of the house watched in disbelief. As the men stepped out in, onto the porch, they finally saw what emerged from the forest. Little gray men. No taller than two to three feet in stature, these humanoid-like figures slinked towards the men, their grotesquely thin, overly long limbs dragging and swaying as they approached. Their glowing yellow eyes seemed almost glazed over, paying no attention to the men through vision as their bulbous heads bobbled under their own weight. Tyler also also described the figures as having bat-like ears that pointed instantly to the direction of the sound that was being made in their vicinity. Without hesitation, Lucy Sutton shot the humanoid at point-blank range with his shotgun. As the shot collided with the figure, a metallic ping was heard, and the figure was knocked down to the ground before abruptly standing right back up and running off with the other figures. A few minutes passed after the men retreated to the house, the occupants obviously shaken. Over the course of the next 30 minutes, these figures would reappear and disappear, peering in through windows and scratching their claws against the panes of glass as if purposely intimidating the lodgers. Firing a reaction shot at one of the approaching figures, Lucy and Taylor once again ran outside to see if they had done any damage to the figures this time only to be ambushed by one of the creatures standing on the overhang of the roof above the porch. The creature grabbed Billy Ray Taylor by the top of the head before he was pulled back inside by his wife, June. Following the surprise attack, the men spent the next four hours fending off 15 of these figures as they stalked around the house, peering into the doorways and windows, looking for an opportunity to get inside. After managing to hold them off with gunfire, the family went straight to the Hopkinsville Police Department once day arrived, informing the police of the siege they had just underwent. Known as trustworthy folks, the police had no reason to hold any disbelief towards the Suttons, especially since the adults were sober and the children had recounted the story. Upon investigation of the Sutton farm, there was little evidence of any creatures present aside from the strange patch of glowing soil. But there was certainly evidence of gunfire, as there were holes present in nearby trees, windows, and doors. The encounter of the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins was the start of the Little Green Men boom in the United States, with the phrase being picked up and used by news outlets and media to describe the encounter and ones that were similar. This, however, is in spite of the fact that their creatures were described as gray-skinned with green hue rather than being a flat green color. Despite similar encounters being described from that point forward in Hopkinsville and the rest of the United States, there remains a large number of skeptics that all fall back on the same common theory. It was well known at the time that an aggressive family of great horned owls resided in the forest near the Sutton's residence, leading many to claim that the family simply mistook the identity of the owls as strange goblin creatures. Skeptic Joe Nickel points towards this fact and states that the residents of the house were more than likely inebriated, regardless of the fact that Lucy's wife claims that they were a highly religious house and did not allow alcohol inside or near their house. There are similar reports in the United States of creatures like the Hopkinsville goblins not associated with UFO sightings, though. Dover, Massachusetts is the home of the alleged Dover demon, a small gray humanoid creature with a large bulbous head and elongated thin limbs that allow it to climb trees quickly. The Chippewa and the Ojibwa Indigenous people of Montana share a similar story about a race of small troublemakers known as Manigishi or Memeguishi. Once again, this race was described as having a bulbous head, elongated limbs, and piercing yellow eyes. There are no known photographs of the Hopkinsville goblins, so the Kelly Hopkinsville event may never be fully explained, as most of the family and friends present that night have passed away. But the tale, nevertheless, lives on.
Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Gotta at least get one in per show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going alien all day. You're gonna go alien on this one? I'm going alien all day. See, I would probably side with that, but what does fascinate me is the Native American lore behind it. Because as far as a lot of North American cryptids go, I seem to be one person that uh sides the most with the Native American lore behind it. Just because, uh, I don't know, I feel like they, they're the ones that have the deepest roots in this area, as far as we know. So, right. I don't know, because clearly there was phenomenon like this happening before this specific event, and it's been kind of misconstrued, like they were saying that they're more of like a gray creature, and it kind of fell into that whole green little men thing. Um, the UFO thing, that's kind of, again, where I fall into aliens. But, um, I don't know, the whole concept definitely fascinates me. But... You know, it seems like one thing has always seemed to be linked to another thing. So just because the people who are involved did see a UFO, I don't think it nece- necessarily, I mean, it, it, it's more than likely related, but there is a small possibility that may not be related because it always seems that, you know, you'll see a UFO and then people will see a Sasquatch, which again is another Native American lore specifically. So it wouldn't be off for this to possibly be some type of Native American lore type of cryptid. And there'd just be, ironically, a UFO scene around it. Or, I mean, you can go with the whole other off-the-cuff off the answer that it, w- it was these owls. But, uh, I don't know. I like to entertain the idea that it could more than likely be an alien. But I still have that little bit of hankering doubt in the back of my mind about just the whole commonality between there being a UFO scene and people seeing Sasquatch. So, like, this could theoretically be the same kind of concept that... They saw a UFO, and for whatever reason, something else came. You know what I mean? And it could definitely fall back into that whole Native American lore aspect than actually being something extraterrestrial. But that's just where I'm at, at least. I like to entertain the Native American ideas. Totally, 100%. Uh, the only reason I went alien all day uh, right out the gate is any uh, docu-series that I've ever watched on this, uh, Just, just... To me, screams alien. I mean, one was shot. You could hear a ting, like it was like I had some kind of armor on. And then there was that mysterious, what green glow that was left behind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You don't get that. You don't get those two a lot with cryptids in general. You get that more with like alien abduction or uh, uh what what do you call it? Uh, wow uh close encounter of like the third kind and and what have you and these things were you know reported running on the roof and you know like you said peering through doors and windows and you know obviously not not being affected by gunshot i, I don't know one took one to the chest and then hopped back up yeah <laughs> Like, who does that? Robocop? I was about to say something. <laughs> Fucking straight Robocop and that shit. Yeah. I mean, this kind of also can play into the whole concept of uh, when it comes to like alien phenomenon, whatever you want to call it. Um, a lot of people kind of entertain the idea that if there are extraterrestrial creatures, they may not necessarily be coming here themselves. They could theoretically be using some type of like vessel or some type of um i guess you'd say like probe or like whatever you want to call it um where they're or avatar that's another way to describe it Mm. where they're like projecting themselves into something that's not really them and with just that metal ping um i mean that kind of entertains the idea that these could be more of like the worker bee type of like extraterrestrials where they're not necessarily like conscious like other things maybe Where maybe they're strictly just on a mission and they were created or two, maybe they are again, maybe some type of vessel or like avatar type of thing that something that is extraterrestrial from somewhere completely different is using because they don't want to physically come here. The same as like, you know, us army using like a drone, for example, like they're not going to send in a manned flying ship when they could send something in with a drone. Cause then if anything happens to that, they're not down a man also. And who's to say the same for extraterrestrials. I mean, this case could definitely kind of push that more so especially with like the springing back up because i don't know i've heard a lot of different cases of people shooting aliens 
And I don't know, just the whole like bounce spring back up, not even affected was a little bit different. I feel than a lot of other encounters of people supposedly like shooting extraterrestrials. Because yep. I mean, more than often than not, I feel like they get shot and you always hear stories about them basically just disappearing. Yeah. Or you have to decapitate them or, or, or something like that. Or, or else they keep coming back. I don't, I don't know. It, it's a very interesting story. I mean, you, you got to think of the, the time frame. Uh, we're talking the fifties and then fast forward, maybe what, 10, 15 years, maybe a little bit more. You have the Benny and, uh, Betty and Barney Hill episode or incident. So I don't know. And it's not long after the crash at Roswell. So, and I believe that was what, 47, 46, 47 when that happened. Yeah. Something like that. I was going to say Anton threw this one in. This was the one that he wanted to do, but I still had it covered anyways. Um, just end closing notes on this. I'm going to, I'm going to say that extraterrestrial, I'm going to assume it's an alien, but I do like to entertain the native American idea. Hmm, for um, sure. And it may also be something that is common. Um, like it mentioned the Dover demon, for example, um, where they're kind of related, but a little bit different. That might be where the variation comes in is maybe, uh, like this one is alien, but something similar would be like the Dover Demon, and maybe that more so falls onto the Native American lore cryptid side because mm. there wasn't really like a spaceship involved in that. And I mean, we'll get into that because that's going to be the last one here because I kind of purposely threw that one in at the very end because I wanted to kind of have people's idea and connection in their minds with uh, the Native American lore and the Dover Demon. But uh, yeah, this one specifically, I'm, I'm probably going to have to side with extraterrestrial or alien. Hey, first one, 50-50. Second one, we're in agreement. 100%. That's how we do things around here, man. That's how and we do it. And for everybody at home, you guys decide for yourselves, of course, because this is strictly opinion-based. <laughs> opinion. Do not take what we say for factual, hard evidence, and truth. I mean, we can speak our truths, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the same as somebody else's truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, just, we're just putting pieces together here. We're just connecting dots. That's all we, yeah. that's all we do around here. <laughs> When we say around here, we mean on flat earth. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) It's an upgrade to the simulation, man. Everybody's right. It used to be flat, but now it's round because the simulation is upgraded. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So uh, with that, now that we have the Dover Demon sitting in the front of your mind, let's, let's get into the Dover Demon. And this one was the one that I threw in because this was where the whole premise of the show kind of kind of started from was I was getting into this whole idea of the Domer Demon and I'll throw in my my weird little extra part at the end, um, which may also be its own episode in the future. But w- without further ado, let's get into the Dover Demon. The Dover Demon is a small humanoid creature reported from Dover, Massachusetts. It was a subject of an intense scare during the 1970s when multiple witnesses came forward with their sightings. The Dover Demon is described as looking sort of like the grayish variation of Alien, except that it has rosy, tan-colored skin instead. The Dover Demon has a large head on a small, stick-like body. It can be bipedal, but it often travels on all fours or switches back and forth between the two modes of locomotion. It has eyes that glow, usually orange or sometimes green. It does not seem to wear any clothes, but unlike the greys, the Dover Demon does not seem to be associated with any UFOs. It just wanders around on its own. Cryptozoologists seldomly show interest in the Dover Demon. Mainstream cryptozoologists are rarely willing to seriously investigate humanoids other than hairy humanoids. It seems that sightings only happen during a short period of time, with most claiming that sightings have now ceased so the Dover Demon does not seem to be a pressing matter. The bizarre tale begins at 10.30 p.m. on October 24th as three 17-year-olds, Bill Bartlett, Mike Mazoka, and Andy Brody are driving north on Farm Street. Bartlett, who's behind the wheel of the Volkswagen, spots something creeping along a low wall of loose stones on the left side of the road. At first, he thinks the image is a dog or a cat until his headlights shine on it, and he realizes it's nothing he's ever seen before. The creature slowly turns its head and stares into the light. 
its two large, round, glassy, lidless eyes shining brightly, like two orange marbles. Its watermelon-shaped head, resting on top of a thin neck, is the size of the rest of the body, except for its oversized head, the creature is thin, with long, spindly arms and legs, and large hands and feet. The skin is hairless and peach-colored and appears to have a rough texture, like wet sandpaper. Bartlett subsequently tells cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman that the creature was standing no more than three and a half to four feet tall and is shaped like a baby's body with long arms and legs. It had been making its way down the wall, its long fingers curling around the rocks, when the car lights surprised it. Unfortunately, neither of Bartlett's companions saw the creature. The sighting lasts only a few seconds, and before Bartlett can speak, the car leaves the scene. Then the creature is gone. Bartlett drops his friends off and goes to his Whalepole Street home. Visibly upset, he walks through the door and his father asks him what's wrong. Bartlett relates the story and later sketches what he's seen. Around midnight, 15-year-old John Baxter leaves his girlfriend, Kathy Cronin's house, at the south end of Miller High Road. Then Baxter starts walking up the street on his way home. Half an hour later, after he was walking about a mile, he observes something approaching him. Because the figure is short, Baxter assumes it's an acquaintance of his, M.G. Beauchard, who lives on the street. John calls out and no response. Baxter and the figure continue to approach each other until finally the latter stops. Baxter then halts as well as asks, who is that? The sky is dark and with the overcast he can only see a shadowy form. Trying to get a better look, Baxter takes one step forward and the figure scurries off to the left, running down a shallow, wooded gully and up the opposite bank. As the figure runs, Baxter hears its footprints on the dry leaves. He follows the figure down the slope, then stops and looks across the gully. Then he sees the creature, standing in a silhouette about 30 feet away, its feet molded around the top of the rock several feet from a tree. The creature's body reminds Baxter of a monkey except for its dark figure-eight-shaped head. Its eyes, two lighter spots in the middle of its head, are looking straight at Baxter, who, after a few minutes, begins to feel uneasy. Realizing he has never seen such a creature before and fearing what it might do next, he backs carefully up to the slope, his heart pounding. He then walks very fast down the hill to the intersection at Farm Street. There, a couple passing in a car pick him up and drive home. The next day, Abby Brom, who was 15, Will Trainter, 18, claimed to have seen a similar-looking creature from Trainter's car on the side of the road. Brom's description matched Bartlett's and Baxter's description, except this time the cryptid had illuminated green eyes. She approximated its height as about the size of a goat. Investigators, attempting to shake up Miss Brom's Miss Brown, by noting she said it had it had green eyes reflected by car headlights, while Baxter mentioned orange eyes were reflected back to him by his automobile's lights. Miss Brown was steadfast to her description. Bartlett, Baxter, and Brown and the trader all drew sketches of this monstrous sight shortly after their sighting. On the piece of paper that included Bartlett's sketch, he wrote. I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. Skeptics usually claim that the Dover Demon was simply a lost baby moose glimpsed under unusual conditions that made it seem like a bizarre humanoid that sometimes went on four legs. People who don't believe that explanation point out that all sightings happen during the wrong time of year for a moose that small to exist. And they also point out that Massachusetts is far from normal moose habitat. Even if such an orphan moose had been wandering around so closely to populated areas, it seems as if it would have been easily captured. If the explanatory power of the baby moose explanation appeals to you, then you could get around the worst objection by substituting a creature that does not actually exist in the area and can be born at any time of year, a baby calf. An orange-furred orphan calf would be a more likely candidate for such a proposal than a baby moose. Others suggest explanations including a monkey, a dog, an alien, a mutant, or simply a hoax. Another explanation could be that it is an escaped and illegally owned pet gibbon. Some species of gibbon have orange babies. White-cheeked gibbons have an orange color in females. 
Well, I'm going to go not a baby moose, okay, and not a baby cow, only because it was gripping rocks. And if you look at the drawings that these eyewitnesses, quote unquote, have, looks nothing like what a a, a baby moose or uh, a baby cow would even look like. Um, the way they describe it as okay, a watermelon head. Okay, there you have your elongated head. Uh, the skin, the color like a like a rosy color, maybe looking like wet sandpaper. Okay, uh, lizard looking skin. Um, could this be a baby um, reptilian alien? I mean, where I kind of fall into with it is one part I forgot to add into the notes was that a lot of people reported that it was going from one cave entrance into another cave entrance. So I don't know. I kind of fall into possibly more of like the the cryptid category, but I'm going to I'm going to offshoot it here. So going into some uh, Native American lore on this one, um, it could possibly be some of the creatures that were referenced in the last thing that I was talking about, or it could possibly be some type of uh maybe like i like to entertain the idea that it could possibly be like a windigo maybe that wasn't getting enough food or something or it was in between like seasons where a lot of for when it comes to like windigo lore they disappear when uh there's no snow like they're they're usually only out when it's cold out like the native american lore goes that from first snowfall to last snowfall you aren't safe from the windigo so during the rest of the year they have to have somewhere to go and they're known as having kind of like a decaying kind of fleshy kind of color to it, which mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of like this a little bit. And uh, so that being said, you'd probably want to go somewhere cold uh, in order to be able to get through the warmer months. So my idea is that possibly it could have been some form of a Wendigo, even if it was just like one that just was becoming a Wendigo possibly, or it was a very weak, almost dead possible Wendigo. And uh, maybe this was that awkward time uh, where it should have been like hibernating in some kind of sleep stasis mode, whatever you want to call it. And it happened to awake and it was trying to get somewhere. I don't know. There's a lot of weirdness that goes along with this one, but uh, I'm trying to think of like, sure. the explanation of like why it would have a reason to move from one location into the other. Like, like it almost, I feel like it almost kind of seemed like it had an intention in mind when it was trying to travel this location, and it just happened to be at a really bad time that three people happened to be around in the area, three groups of people happened to be around in the mm-hmm. area when this thing was choosing to move. But also just from like the descriptions of it being, um, I don't know, kind of like lanky and like weak. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't. If it was a Wendigo, if it was a cryptid, if it whatever it was, I don't think it was necessarily in the normal headspace that it would normally be in. And that could also contribute to why it was seen because theoretically, if it was some type of cryptid creature, um, it could be way better at hiding, but for whatever reason, why it was just off, which I'm still trying to figure out the explanation of why it would have been off. Um, maybe it was in that flight or fight kind of mode where it was just trying to get somewhere and it didn't really care where it was um, retarded kid. Not, yeah, or, not, not, yeah. A, not a human, but a, a, a retarded, you know, offspring of, of it. And it was being outcast. I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> trying to, to, I mean, it's funny, but it's not, I mean, you know, y- you see that with uh primate, you know, if one's not functioning up to par, sometimes they, uh, they get dismembered in, in the family. I mean, even going into that and explanation too, I mean, it, even if it was theoretically some type of like possibly like a monkey or something, um, I mean, this was right after winter. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was like somebody's pet possibly that um, didn't really know how to get a food source, you know, because if you mm. feed something for a long time and it gets used to you being the hand that feeds it and then you throw it out in the wild, it's not going to have a way to fend for itself. It's gonna, not going to have any idea what the hell it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. So just to entertain and play devil's advocate on another possible idea for it. Um, I mean, logically speaking, like it could be some form of like a, like a monkey that was like half dead 
and maybe I don't know if it can transfer over, but like maybe it was like a monkey with like mange that was somebody's pet monkey, and it was just decrepit from not knowing how to fend for itself, and maybe it caught some type of disease or illness or something, and it was just fucked up, you know. <laughs> and I mean, maybe there's some type of swelling in the head. Maybe that would explain why the head was so big. It was maybe uh, something happened to its head. And it had some type of like swelling in its head. And that's why it wasn't in the right state of mind to begin with. And it could rabies. theoretically be a cryptid or a monkey. Yeah. I mean, definitely entertain the rabies idea too. Um, it could have been bit by something while it was trying to find itself some type of food source. This was in the, the 70s, you said, right? Uh, go to the top of the notes here. 19, yep, 1970s. Okay. Right around 1970s, in the 70s, Mainly, probably late, early, mid, and then late 70s, and then you get into 80s, you had an explosion in the United States of people wanting exotic animals, whether they're, and a lot of them were primates. Uh, most famously, Michael Jackson. Everybody knows he, 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 no, he had a pet little chimp. Wasn't named like Bobo or some shit like that? No, Bobo was a different one. Bobo was one that they were actually, I believe they were actually training. He he would smoke cigarettes and shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, if you're going to train a monkey to do government. anything, the first thing you got to train it is how to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> yes. But uh, you would see. Can you imagine being a government official just sitting in a newsroom and you just have this monkey in the back just smoking a cigarette, mm -hmm. looking all serious as fuck? That's what you got to do, man. If you work for the government, you got to have a sense of humor. So if you're going to train some animals, do some weird shit, you got to train an animal or you got to train a monkey how to smoke cigarettes. So we can sit in the back of the war room and just look intense as fuck. Just chain smoking cigarettes. Like Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> From Planet of the Apes. Just... <laughs> then it's got to master that, uh, you know, that intense gopher thing from back in the day, yeah. from the early YouTube days. It's got to master that look where every time you look at this monkey, it just spins around dramatically and looks at you while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that That's your government money being well spent, my friends. Yes. And uh, <laughs> apparently they spend them on uh, seeing how, uh, how long a goldfish can uh, last on a treadmill. But that's not for this show. Uh, however... <laughs> Um, it, it, it could have been, I mean, it, I mean, you see it, uh, a lot in Florida, you know, storms come through. Now they have a, uh, a, a Python problem down there. Okay. Uh, back in the eighties, you know, uh, lions, uh, chimps, you know, primates, whatever, big, big, big explosion. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, this could be just that. That someone just said, okay, I don't have the time and patience. I thought I was getting something that was intelligent like a human and could eventually take care of itself, not knowing that um, it's going to be in a constant state of, at most, a toddler uh, in, in the way we look at things. So they're like, okay, you know what? F it. I'm going to throw it out in the middle of winter. My ex-wife did that to my daughter's first little hamster. She didn't want to take care of it. Winter came. Oh, here, go run across the snow. See how long you last. And it's like, why would you do that? Like, but people do. People do. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of conflicted. It could be cryptid. It could be alien. And it could just be a primate. I mean, thrown back into the alien idea just for shits and giggles. Um, just because a UFO wasn't associated with this doesn't mean that there may not have been one nearby. Because another theoretical idea for this one is that if, say, an alien ship crash landed and, you know, you have this creature where he's like half dead climbing out of uh, the, the crashed spaceship, which could have even, who knows, been like a, a week prior to when people actually saw this thing. It could have been trying to hide out in a cave or hide out somewhere. True. And it could be just like a beat to shit alien that's been starving, doesn't have food, and that would describe the like decrepit look and the way it was moving. Um, just like people do. Like if you don't have food and you start becoming weak, you're gonna you're gonna you know start crawling on all fours trying to get around because you don't right. have the strength to hold yourself up anymore. You're so, gonna I mean, eat just anything. To throw in you get another hands one. on at that point. Exactly. Just to, just to throw another one into there, man. It could have been a uh, half dead alien that was trying to survive after a, a UFO crash.
Mm. I like I like all these theories. I mean, at the end of the day, Ghost and Shane could be completely wrong, or we're right <laughs> on the money, or we're fifty percent right. Who knows? I'm going to throw my hat in just because of that last thing I said. I kind of convinced myself a little bit. I'm going to go with uh, alien on this one. I'm going to I'm going to assume that it's an alien that had recently been through a crash and was starving and was just trying to find a way to survive. And that would explain why it was mentally off too and didn't really care about being seen is because it was strictly trying to survive at this point. This one's tough for me. I got I got to be honest because I can't I can't. I can't fully put my hat in on on cryptid. I could put my hat in on your theory, but I could really put my hat in on someone kicked out a pet monkey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm going pet monkey. Pet monkey. We're gonna mix it up. We're gonna add a third category into this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't go full cryptid on this because. Just in the, just in the story, that was brought up, and I can I I can strongly believe that. Even though I'm a huge believer in cryptids, and it really has never been seen again. See, that's another reason that I was going with Alien Two was just because of like the head size. That's what threw me off from the whole monkey idea. Like True. I like entertaining that idea. I feel like that's the best real world idea. But the head size, unless it was something. I don't know. Is it possible for something's head to swell up that much? Brain trauma. Yeah, I mean, mean, definitely possible. If the owner beat the shit out of it, I mean, then tossed it out. I don't know. Man, it's hard because, yeah, I get it. The the watermelon head size. Okay, there's your elongated head, normal, and then the big eyes. and uh, Okay. Go an alien monkey. <laughs> Toss it up with the two. Fuck it. <laughs> no, fuck it. I'm I'm going alien monkey. Hey, if there can be uh, an alien raccoon or uh, Groot or any of those other uh, uh, superheroes, alien monkey. <laughs> Dude, that sounds like how extraterrestrials would probably describe us. <laughs> yeah. Look at those little alien monkeys walking around. Oh, look at them. <laughs> Would they got no tails, but they definitely look like monkeys. Would you look <laughs> at it? <laughs> it's always tough when when you bring... Okay, could it be alien? Could it be cryptid? Because, like I just said, I'm going to blend them both. Because sometimes, what if some of our cryptids are actually aliens? I mean... You have Sasquatch. There's a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. You have Sasquatch, and then he's depicted in Star Wars as an alien. You know what I mean? Theoretically, I mean, from another planet. There's a there's a whole race of, you know, Chewbacca's out there. So the Wookies, it, the Wookies, yeah, and <laughs> you know, and then you had the the little Ewoks. You know, they could be a, a, a small primate type thing, but playing off the the whole, uh, what do you want to call them? Uh, little people, not midgets, but the, the little people, but in bear-like form, like teddy bear. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. I love it. Maybe they're all uh, cryptid aliens. Who knows? <laughs> Cryptid aliens. We're going to add a new category. Cryptid aliens. <laughs> and I think when we do this one for the next round of this show, I'm going to do, uh, I don't know, maybe like a like a real world explanation so people can pick between cryptid alien or real world. Because I feel like a couple of these, we definitely could have thrown in some real world. I mean, they're already in there. There was possible owls for the goblins. This one could theoretically have been a monkey, moose, whatever. So going into the next round, Definitely going to add in some uh, real-world explanation. I'll find a better way to word it, but something along those lines. Toasty! <laughs> Toasty! <laughs> so, getting into the end of the show here. Oh. Uh, we're going we're gonna to throw it in the hat just one more time for anybody that didn't catch in the beginning. Uh, we're extending the giveaway for one more day, which is today. Um, 12-1 for, you know, if anybody's listening to this a little bit later, unfortunately, you won't apply day. for this one. 
but one more day. One more day. <laughs> and then we will be announcing the winners on 12-2 on Friday. So, and for anybody that's interested in the giveaway, of course, um, quick and easy, just go and check out our Instagram, and there's multiple posts on it. Um, all the rules on how to get your entries, uh, I won't make you guys listen to me go back through those again. So, again, if you're interested, just go and check on the Instagram, make it quick and easy, go tag two friends, whatever, and get yourself some entries, last-minute entries, or, again, throw in at the end of the show, message us Toasty, and that will get you an extra entry. Yes. And when he says... I'm not even going to say that because it's very inappropriate. We might have children listening to our show. However, if you want to share your encounter, email us. BizarreEncounters at Outlook.com. Um, hit us up on, on Instagram if, if you have an encounter. If you want to be disguised, my boy Shane here can alter your voice he, he can keep i you, have the technology he has the technology <laughs> to do that and if, <laughs> if if you just want to be anonymous and just write something out and we can read it by all means do it um never know who you could be helping out by sharing your experiences because we could play the middleman uh people can start connecting dots themselves or yes. you know maybe you'll find somebody that's had an extremely similar experience and they know a lot more about it and we can get you two in contact with each other absolutely so there's a lot of different means to uh sharing your story with us uh one getting it out there so people know about it adding some more information into the community so we can get a little bit deeper into different types of research on extraterrestrial paranormal uh cryptid whatever you want to do and uh yeah just get your, get your stories out send them over to us and uh We'll help you out there. And uh, like I said, if you don't want to be known, um, you can be a silent person. And if people come out and share similar encounters, um, we can, you know, ask you permission first before connecting you to. But yeah, there's methods and ways of doing it. So don't forget, come and share your stories with us. And we've already had uh, a guest or two come on. Um, I think Riley was one of them that we, we kind of helped them. In, in a sense, like we, we, uh, the way you think, the way I think, and then what happened with him. And he was just like, Oh, I never thought about that. You know, Hey, we're just here to talk, shoot the shit. And Hey, if we help, we help. That's great. If not, well, I don't know. At least you got a good story out there and we're going to believe you. And you got it off your chest. That's that, exactly. that means a lot to a lot of people. And uh, if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're a researcher, author, um, anything like that, we're definitely interested in having you on the show. So if you're interested in doing that, also shoot us a message so that we can coordinate some stuff and uh, talk about all your research or whatever you happen to do, um, be it paranormal, cryptid, like we said, alien researcher, all that stuff. We're interested in anything weird and bizarre, hence the name Bizarre Encounters. <laughs> and uh, if anybody's interested in sponsoring the show in any way, shape, or form, or if they feel they can contribute anything to the show, uh, definitely also, don't forget, shoot us a message. And uh, if there's any topics or guests that you really, really, really want to see covered on the show, uh, also send that over to us, and we'd be more than happy to make that happen also. Because we're here to uh, not just spread information and truth and whatever you want to call it, but to also um, entertain you guys a bit. So if there's anything that we can do to make the show more enjoyable for all of you, please. Don't hesitate to uh, mention it to us because, you know, we won't bite that hard, <laughs> but uh, we definitely want to talk to all you guys. And even if you guys just want to have a conversation with us, feel free to shoot us a message. We're around. We will definitely respond to you, hopefully in a timely matter, um, you know, as long as it's not during normal uh, work hours during the day because it's a little bit harder to get to our phones. We then, have but jobs. As soon as we get off work. Yes, yes we have We'll jobs. be shooting you back a message. And if you <laughs> want to see Shane without a shirt for a podcast, you know, hit us up, Boop. ladies. Hit us up. He'll take it <laughs> off. I'll take it all off. I'll take it all off. Dun, dun, dun. No, Dude, just... that'd be so awkward. Just two two naked dudes on a podcast together. <laughs> oh. There's our next podcast. Two naked dudes. <laughs> Kidding. Or are we? I don't know. And uh, anything that we've mentioned, uh, we make it all quick and easy. Even the email. Um, it's all on our link tree. So uh, go and check out our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R, period, E-E, slash, Bizarre Encounters. And that's spelled B-I-Z-A-R-R-E-E-N-C-O-U-N-T-E-R-S. 
And uh, there you'll also find all of the different links to Open Minds Media, which is all the shows that I do. You'll also find links to My Third Eye, which is Ghost Solo Show and all the stuff he does. And there's just a bunch of cool stuff you can find. So go and check out the link tree and uh, see what kind of cool stuff we got in there. We got the merch store. We got the Patreon. We got a lot of cool stuff. And it's always building, always adding. And uh, same with the Patreon, same with the show. We're just going to keep getting better and better with time because we age just like a, like a fine wine. Yeah, <laughs> like a fine wine. And uh, I do have one thing to say. We Didn't we get like a one-star review? Oh, that was on my end. <laughs> oh, on, on your show? Yes, on my show. <laughs> oh, I thought it was on our show because I was about ready to call out somebody. No, that was all on my end. And, okay. uh, well, and yeah, I, hey, if you're listening to this too, and you're listening to, to Shane's show, which is fire all in of itself, uh, if, if you don't, you're dumb, dude. You're just dumb. <laughs> Say, I got a straight, it was like a, like a straight troll comment because yeah. they didn't really contribute to why they feel the way they feel. They uh, just called us amateur, which I guess at the root of it, aren't we all technically just amateurs? We're just dudes with microphones, yeah. man. <laughs> and honestly, if you think I'm such big an amateur, bucks to sit then... behind a microphone in, in a studio and broadcast live on radio or TV or anything like that. I mean, come on. Put your mic where your <laughs> I was mouth say is. It. Exactly. You know, if, if you think that uh, my show is so amateur, I would love to listen to your show and hear you do it better. <laughs> Did it have a, what was the name? Uh, earphone eight eight eight. Yeah, troll. <laughs> Says unoriginal and blend. This podcast is just amateur. You suck dick. <laughs> Ghost, I love your antics because we got the the big brother little brother vibe going on the over here. Time. So it's one of those things that I wasn't even gonna bring it up, but you know. I share little things that bother me sometimes with the big brother and you know, he's got to do his thing. So yeah, I do. <laughs> hey, you got a, you, you got a problem. Yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook. Why Shane revolves it. <laughs> Dude, spare the moment. rhyming right there. That's a new thing about bizarre encounters. Ooh. We're going to start rapping. Yeah. <laughs> bizarre encounters, hip hop. It's going to be a uh, very nineties. I feel because <laughs> we're going to, we got some basic rap style. <laughs> oh, very basic over here. <laughs> I can rap and I can rhyme blue and chew. What about orange? What can you rhyme anything with orange? Orange. Door hinge. Oh, Door hinge? Well, I didn't even think of that. I was just going to go orange smorange. <laughs> Florange? Florange? <laughs> we just make up words. That's what modern day rappers do, anyways, right? There you go. I'm a good you got to add the beep, beep, skirt, skirt. <laughs> Just make a bunch of random noises. <laughs> yeah, I'm too, and I'm too hyped to be this white. <laughs> and with that, we're gonna leave you with all of this hypeness to uh, prepare for the next show. So, with that, I've been Shane, and I've been Ghost, and this has been. Bizarre encounters. Keep it. Ooh, ha, ha, ha. Bizarre. Bizarre.